title of this message is, You're Having a Moment. <laughs> and I, I like to say that sometimes in a negative way because we all have our moments. In the scriptures, I'm kind of reminded of Noah. Noah had a moment when he got off the boat, planted a vineyard. <laughs> but I don't blame him. You know, if you had to deal with all those animals, if you had to shovel behind all those animals for a year, but uh, Noah had a moment and it changed, it changed the world forever. But uh, it seems like, you know, it's been since the first of the year, I didn't, I didn't know what to preach. Certainly the Lord didn't give me a series. For the last few weeks it's been... It's, it's been just week to week to week, okay? It's just been paycheck to, to the bank. I mean, it's just, it, you know, I, I don't know. But I, looking back at it, I realized the Holy Spirit has put us in a series. He just didn't tell me ahead of time. And uh, that's happened before. And we've been kind of talking about what, what the Lord is wanting to do. And we started out the year talking about how the world is untouched and needs a touch, even though we're connected by all the stuff we're connected with, we're still totally unconnected. Y'all get what I'm saying? And then we talked about, then, then it, it was kind of like a funnel thing where we talked about the world, and then the next message the Lord gave me, we talked about the, the church world, what's it, what it's like and what's going on there. And then we talked about the Zadok purge. Remember that one? And we talked about how uh, and what, what God is doing right here at Journey Life Center. Last week, we talked about God needs a few good men. So it comes from the world to the church world to our church to you. And God needs a few good men. And now I believe what the Holy Spirit is, is wanting us to understand is that it only takes a moment to change your life. There may be a whole lot of stuff ahead of that, but it only takes a moment to change your life. There's a difference between minutes and moments. We pass through the minutes but we remember the moments. I don't know about you, but, you know, in my childhood, the moments I remember, believe it or not, from Minnesota, I don't remember too much for, of summertime. I remember wintertime because we didn't hide out in the house. You can't because it's cold six months out of the year. I mean, so my moments are getting my, to I was the toboggan guy. And we would walk through the snow about, I don't know, it's a mile, maybe two miles. That was a long way to a place called Shields Hill. I think I took Gloria there once and showed you that hill. And I, I tell you, I could share the craziest memories of going down that hill and going off to the right and falling into that gutter. And I, and <laughs> I remember running over people with my toboggan. I mean, I could share, I could share so many stories, and I was kind of a ringleader. 
And, and there would be 30 or 40 kids up there, no adults, none. We're two miles from civilization. It's not like kids today. You know, you got, we got all these helicopter parents now. <laughs> Back then, my parents wouldn't see me all day long. I had no clue where I was. You know, safety is if you break an arm or a leg, that's okay. Just don't crack your head open, right? I, I remember putting a kid who broke his leg, and I remember putting him on my toboggan, and we all carried him home. No big deal. No big deal. Somebody fixed him, I guess. I don't know. But, 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 but you know, there are moments, right? We think back and think about those moments. For those of you, who your kids haven't grown up yet. You've got, you have an experience ahead of you. It's called when adult children remember their childhood. Because they don't remember anything that, that you remember. And they remember the weirdest things, and they talk about things that you, why, I don't remember that. That's weird. And the things that you think were great, they don't remember. But it's, it's, it's moments that you never see happening that just happen, and, 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 and God shows up in a, in, in a powerful, powerful way. And as the Lord began to deal with me about that, he's, he's telling me we're entering a season right now where moments are going to happen like never before. They're going to be life-changing. I can't control it. You won't see it coming, but it will change your life. Is anyone up for a moment, a God moment? Are you sure? Because it will change everything. How many are up for it? Okay, 20% are like, I'm out of here this morning. This is not my message. We can go back to the Zadok purge if that's more comfortable. And I said, Lord, what, you know, what's the scripture here? And I, I know we're, we're a ways from Easter and Palm Sunday, but I, I want to go that, to that scripture uh, in Matthew chapter 21 where Jesus came into the city before he died. Can we read this quickly? Y'all with me? Now, when they drew near, remember I'm talking about a moment now. Watch how this comes together. They drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two disciples. Say he sent two. Two disciples. Uh Uh-huh. Saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, God knows how people are. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. Wow. The Lord's seeing something here. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets saying, Tell the daughters of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Listen, whatever moment that's going to happen in your life, it's already predicted. I'm not saying you heard it, but it's in the air. It's in the atmosphere. God knows the moment he won't be taken by surprise. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt 
laid their clothes on them and set him on them. Mm -hmm. And a very great multitude, wow, now there's a multitude, spread their clothes on the road. They were cutting down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. My God, this moment is turning the city upside down. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, Who is this? Someone's going to say, after your moment, what happened to them? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. They still don't know who he is, but they did get his name right. There are many minutes, but only a few moments in your life. Let me give you five things real quick here that you need to understand. First of all, there are things on your path that you don't yet see. Jesus saw the donkey. They didn't see the donkey. They had to go by faith, believing that the donkey would be where Jesus said it would be, that the man would respond the way the man would respond. Amen. That the right donkey, how many of you know there's probably a lot of donkeys in the city? They had to get the right donkey. I always make sure you get the right donkey. There are things in your path that you can't see yet. God, in other words, I want you to hear this God is setting you up for a miracle. And sometimes the things He uses to set you up are not the pleasant things. Sometimes the things he uses are hurtful, are grieving, they're, 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 they're hard things, they're difficult things, and that's why you shouldn't pray, God, God, uh, just get me out of this, because what you're going through might be the very thing you need to go through to get to where God wants you to get to. Does that make sense? Give him praise in the house. Mm-hmm. There are things on your path that you don't yet see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Number two, your blessing is tied up, but it's about to be released. Now, that, that sounds negative at first, but you understand, I, I believe the donkey was tied up so no one else could get. I believe the donkey was tied up so it wouldn't wander off and get lost. We, how many times do we worry and become anxious? God, I don't know about the future. I don't know if this will drift or this will happen or what if that doesn't happen. And, and we get all anxious about everything. But I'm telling you, whatever, whatever your future is, it is tied up. Mm, glory to God. It's tied up, but I have another word for you. It's about to be released. Amen. But you got to get to the donkey. If you can get to the donkey by faith, hallelujah, what has been tied up is about to be released. If you believe it, give him praise. Amen. It's waiting on you. It's waiting on you. It's waiting for the moment that he'll release it. Wow, wow, my God, hallelujah. But what we need to get to the moment is a word from God. And perhaps this very message is the word you need. To understand that your life has purpose and direction in God. When we talk about finding your purpose, we're not talking about finding what you want. 
Come on, church. He'll give you the desires of your heart if your desires are sanctified. He'll give you the desires if you desire the same thing he desires. Now, sometimes he gives you desires because you're so daggone persistent. Give us a king. Okay. I want to live and not die. Okay. We'll see how that works for you. Sometimes God gives us what we want when it's not even good for us just to teach us a lesson. So be careful what you pray for. It's not about what's, what you want. It's about what you discover is the will of God for your life. And once you know what he wants, you can pray with authority and claim that in the name of Jesus. A moment's coming that's going to change your life. Anybody on board with this? All right, God. But we need a word to get a moment. Number four. I told you it's going to be short. Of course, I can get stuck for a half hour on five. You never know. You have to have a disciple to get it. He said he sent two disciples. Not two yahoos. Not two strangers. Not two unconnected people. He only sends disciples to their moment. Glory to God. I know some of you just came for a blessing, and I guess that's sort of okay. But it's more important to say, I want to be more like Jesus, and that's why I'm here. I don't want to just be saved. I need to be a disciple. And the church needs to not make crowds, but to make disciples in the last days. It's not about how many we can get seated in here. It's about how many we can get sent out of here to do the work that God has. Listen, you're not going to discover your moment unless you discover discipleship. Oh, I'm glad you amen me. Because that's one of our main goals this week, right? Tent. Table, turf. And table means we need to get around it and not just eat. (laughs) But learn how to be disciples. When I appear before the Lord, he's not going to ask me, how many people did you have on a Sunday morning? He's going to say, how many were really disciples? You know, it all, it all comes together on the last day on earth, and maybe I preach your sermon, just preach your funeral. And honestly, some of you are not giving me enough material. <laughs> well, he was a good guy. <laughs> I, I've, I've done some funerals, even the family couldn't find anything good to say. We need disciples, not churchgoers. We need disciples. Like we've been preaching, Jesus spent half his ministry with 12 men. It doesn't make sense. If I had three years left, which I might, 
If I had three years left, would I spend half of it with 12 of you? Would I show up to preach half the Sundays and the other half I'm in a small group with 12 people? Oh, y'all would y'all be pulling my salary for sure. But that's what Jesus did. He didn't have a church. He didn't meet in a single location. He didn't have a music director. I don't know if any of the 12 could sing. Who knows what the Last Supper sounded like? Could have been really bad. How many believe Judas was off key? Amen. And probably Peter. We need to start putting our feelings aside and get a hold of discipline. To whom much is given, much is required. You might have a degree, but do you have the discipline? You may have a great job, but are you a disciple? Everybody might like you, but are you a disciple? Wow, my God. It says in the book of Hebrews that we need to exercise our faith. And some people don't have it because they didn't, by reason of use, they didn't use it. They didn't exercise. Come on. Those of you in my generation, you understand, if we don't exercise a little bit, you say, oh, it hurts to exercise. It hurts more not to. (laughs) Yeah, you young people, your day's coming. When you're in your 60s, you remember, oh, I remember that. No, I know what that old preacher was talking about. Come on now. Come on. You can't, you, some of us can't do the work because we didn't do the exercise. Number five, you need to understand that your moment, say my moment, is a convergence of divine events. God is setting you up. For a miracle. Don't miss your moment. He said, I'll open the windows of heaven. That word in the Hebrew literally means floodgates. I'll open floodgates from heaven and pour you out a blessing. It's It's not necessarily referring to an ongoing thing. It could be a sudden gushing of God's love, grace, and power. He wants to open a window in heaven. Esther had one chance at this. And Mordecai says, who knows, but that maybe you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. She thought she was just going to be the queen, suddenly realizing that God had other plans, that God made her queen. It wasn't her good looks. It wasn't anything else. It was God. Some of us are patting ourselves on the back when it was God that did it. He did that so you can get this. God is setting us up. 
through negative things, through positive things. He's setting us up for such a time as this. Gideon out in the field, just a simple farmer, an angel appears and calls him, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon goes, at least call me mighty farmer. I mean, that's never been in a battle, never been trained in the military, never won. He's just farmed potatoes. Well, not potatoes. That was a South American thing. Okay. Beans, whatever. Lentils. Oh, there's a good, there's a good biblical word. You mighty man of valor. I'm speaking to somebody this morning who's sitting there saying, well, I don't know about a moment for me. I'm a nobody. You're a nobody with a name in heaven that God's about to give a moment to, and he can use any. He can use you. Paul and Silas looked like the end sitting in that jailhouse. It, it didn't look too good. It looked like everything was over. But Paul looked at Silas and Silas looked at Paul. What are we going to do now? Let's sing. Sing. We don't have a worship leader. Didn't you bring that tape deck with you? <laughs> oh, some of you don't know what a tape deck is. All right. Did you not download the latest, do they still call them album, from Bethel Music on your phone? <laughs> Come on, am I talking your language now? I'm here to tell you, Paul and Silas, they didn't have a thing. They, they stripped them probably bare. They're in a cold place, rats running across. Hey, man, a smelly place. They, they had indoor, uh, indoor toilets. Their jail cell was the toilet. I mean, it's a bad place. There's not a reason to sing, but they sang. Amen. I don't know what they sang. I'm sure it was something out of the Redback Hymnal. But they got their, they got their music together, and they, they dug deep into the book of Psalms, and they began to sing, maybe, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I may be in this jail cell. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Sometimes all you got is a song, but your song is all you need. Sing, hallelujah. Your song might become your moment. Put your feelings aside. Doesn't matter how you feel, sing for the glory of God. You know what happened with Paul and Silas. God, first jailhouse rock. Lord, some of them don't know the song Jailhouse Rock. You may find yourself in the belly of a whale. I never could figure this out. I preached this before. Somehow, it says Jonah turned towards Jerusalem and prayed. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. It was dark in there. The whale didn't swallow him and a lantern. That was before they had lights on their phone. That's before they had that. And the whale is moving. Hello? But somehow, Jonah knew 
where east was. Listen, your life might be going in all kinds of directions, but there's a GPS, God's positioning satellite. It's called the Holy Ghost. And I don't care how weird your life is, what direction it seems to be going. You may feel lost. You may feel like, I don't know how to put all this together. But God, the Holy Ghost, will point you to Jerusalem and get you there every time. How many more people can we talk about? How many more? But all this came together. It turned into a street parade. Thousands of people showing. They didn't even know. There was probably people there saying, what are we clapping for? They put their clothes on the donkey. They put their clothes on the road. He's walking on. They're cutting down branches. If I read further, you know the children got into it. Don't you just love to see the kids up here worshiping? Come on. I don't care if you're 5, 10, whatever your age, they have to find their way to worship God. May not be the way you would worship, but they're doing something. They're interacting in the service and when the music's playing, and they'll just grow into worship like that. Amen. Listen, listen you be careful when you criticize children. Like the 12 disciples, Jesus said, let the children come. Jesus, I always had time for children. Jesus, I always had time for the poor. Jesus, I always had time for people who could give him nothing. We love hanging around with people who can help us. We just don't like spending, wasting time on people that can't help us. You're going to get quiet on me now? You're going to change denominations now? You know, I, I didn't know. I guess I'm supposed to say it because the Holy Spirit dropped it in my, in, in my spirit while I was over there this morning in the ready room getting, getting ready. And, and, and he said, you know, we're supposed to. I'm getting to the end. What we're, we're supposed to serve him we've been talking about serving God first and if you put the people before him that's idolatry if I put your needs ahead of what God wants that's idolatry doesn't matter if you get mad at me it's idolatry oh lord churches need to hear that message but think of it of a minute. Why does God need serving? He's got everything. He's the king of kings. And yet when you look at ancient history, when they had kings, anytime even the poorest, humblest peasant would bring the king a gift, his last little lamb, and the king had fields of flocks. Why would you serve someone who has it all? You don't serve him to help him. You serve him because he's worthy. Man, that about, that about fell out of my chair. We serve him not because he needs us, but because he's worthy. 
So, so church, why would we serve people as well? It's not because they need something. You got to stop helping people just because they need something. And sometimes we stop and say, well, do they really need it? If they don't really need it, I'm not going to give. Listen, listen. Why do we serve God? Because he's worthy. Why do we serve people? You ain't going to like this. Because they're worthy. How are they worthy? They're image bearers. They may be the grossest of sinners, but they're still made in the image. I don't care who it is. You need to honor them at all times. We need to love them at all times. You need to say, well, who do I serve? Who's laying at your feet? Whatever opportunities come your way, you need to take those opportunities and serve them. Not because they need it. Don't say, I don't know if they need me to stop. No, it's not about need. It's about their worth your time to show the love of God in there. Give God praise if you. Man, that's a revelation. That's a revelation. That's a revelation. You know what? A lot of people walk past that donkey. But the donkey was waiting for Jesus. None of these, these moments aren't going to come because you're experienced and so worthy of them. They're going to come because you have faith and you're trusting God. This whole thing was a revelation of who Jesus is. They were asking, who is this? It's Jesus. I, I think, can I say this? Everything God does for you is not just because you're so cute. It, it, some of you are cute. But it, it, it's not because you're cute. It's because every time he does something for you, he is revealed. That's why you testify. That's why when God does something, you don't keep it a secret because it wasn't about healing your body. It was about revealing how great your God is. That's why you testify. You go to your small group and you testify what God's done in your life. Amen. Because Whatever the blessing, you've got to let people know because that reveal, and it reveals something about who you are. Chapter 8 and verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Did we preach about the sons of God? You all know what that is now, right? The sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You don't need anyone else to say you're a Christian. The Spirit of God will say it. You don't even need to judge other people whether they're Christians. I believe the Spirit of God, the Spirit himself bears witness. And of children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Watch this. For I consider... King James says, reckon. For I reckon that the 
Sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He's not talking about heaven here. For the earnest expectation of the creation. Watch this. This is where I want to go. Eagerly waits for what? For the revealing, for the manifestation of the sons. That word revealing is apocalypse. For the unveiling, for the revelation, the book of Revelation. There's a coming out party. I'm, I'm reminded in, in the 17, 1800s, if you were high society and you had a daughter, I forget what the age is, maybe 16 or something, they would call it the coming out. And you would dress her up and you would have a party in your mansion. <laughs> Poor people didn't do this. And you would invite all the elites to come to introduce your daughter ah, to this coming out. We are the bride of Christ. He's proud of us. But we need those, we need a moment, some of us. We need a coming out moment. I'm not saying you're going to be called to preach. I don't know what it is. It might be a, a very private just a wonderful thing. And, and church, we're not talking about one moment. There may be many moments. There's been moments in your past. You know what I'm talking about. But there's more moments coming. Pastor, how do I? How, I could preach a whole sermon. We could do 10 points on how to know your moment's coming. How to, how to prepare yourself for your moment, right? I'm not going to preach it right now. Can I give you one? Can I give you a really good clue? Let me give you one really good way to do that. Isn't it strange? Isn't it strange that we even have to sleep? What? You know, if evolution is true, see, if you're evolving, you evolve out of things that hold you back. Wouldn't it be better if we could be awake 24-7? A lot less people would have been eaten by lions few armies would have not been surprised. I mean, why do we have to sleep? Do insects sleep? I don't know. I don't know. Does everything sleep? It's not about evolution. God made us that way. I think he knows just like Adam and Eve, if he hadn't thrown them out of the garden, they would have eaten from the tree of life and they would have lived forever in their sin. God knew if he gave us 24 hours a day, we'd really make a mess of things. So he knocks us out, and we go to sleep. And I want to tell you what's going on. While you're sleeping, your angels are working because angels never sleep. And the Holy Spirit's working. And while you're sleeping, they're setting up your day. They're kicking devils out of the way. They're posting angels over here. So you don't have that car accident. They're posting an angel on that curve over here. And, 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 and that person's going to come against you, but God's going to give you strength. So he posts an angel over there at work to help you get through that. And he, God sees everything ahead of time. And the Holy Ghost is setting up your day. Come on, church. Getting ready for that big moment. And, and they're, all, they're all waiting around your bed for you to wake up. He's about to wake up. Oh, we've got a day planned for him. I mean, some of those days are really bad. But anyway, they have to get us through it, right? They're all sitting around your bed getting ready for you to wake up and discover. 
oh, what God's got planned for you. And they can't wait for you. And you open your eyes, and instead of grabbing for the Bible, you grab for the iPhone. <laughs> because it's very important that you know how many people liked your message last night on Facebook. And the angels are going, Benny Hinn years ago wrote a book that said, Good morning, Holy Spirit. The first thing that should happen when you open your eyes is not Facebook. It's not your 401K. It's not, <laughs> come on, church. It's not about your emails or who texted you last night. Maybe you ought to charge your phone in another room. First thing you ought to do is open your eyes and say, Good morning, Holy Spirit. What have you been up to? Because what's on Facebook's not going to affect my day today, but what the angels have done overnight, that's what I want to know. I want to know God's will for the day. I want to hear from the Holy Spirit. What's going on? What do I need? What should I take to work with me? What do I need to read in the Scriptures? How do I need to pray? And sometimes you just need to shut up and say, I'm listening. Just get quiet. Because the angels have been busy. Some of you, what I just said, if it doesn't change your life, it'll at least change Monday morning once. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Really ask yourself, what's the first thing you do when you wake up? Oh, my God, I feel his presence.